This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. We use the support of our patrons to bring you the best show we can. We also reward our patrons with bonus audio each week. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share nerdy stuff and talk to our listeners. You can also reach us at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, erica.nerdpodcastradio at, you guessed it, gmail.com. It's not at, you guessed it, it's erica.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com and anthony. it's a joke anthony doesn't have an email address you can also reach us on twitter at SuperVeganBrian, at NerdcasterMike, at CurseySmurfErica, and of course, at NerdcastRadio. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Hello and welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. This is your host this morning, Super Vegan Brian, and I am without other co-hosts, but I reached out to one of our good friends, Odin Abbott, is here today. Welcome, Odin. Hello, Brian. How's it going? I feel like that intro deserves some applause. I should include some applause in the... <laughs> oh, you go right ahead. Yeah, you could do a little other things if you wanted as well, like coming to you live from the Sacramento Media Center and the Portland Family Authority STD Clinic is Odin Abbott and Super Vegan <laughs> Brian. <laughs> you have such a great radio voice. That was fantastic. That Thank tickled, you. That tickled something. That was great. Um, the um, So... Oh, my mind went completely blank. That blew me away. Um, so Why, we actually you. got confirmation that we have listeners that I didn't know were listening to the podcast. You know, I for the longest time when I look at SoundCloud, you know, we have the few fans yeah. that are vocal. And then when I look at SoundCloud, I think these stats must be wrong. These must be people re-listening. There's no way this many people listen. But I got some reach out for some people that I didn't realize were listening. Okay. So, we do get new listeners, so it's important that you tell people who you are. Oh, wow. That was a long lead-in for that. Hello, I'm Odin Abbott, and I actually have a YouTube channel. Uh, what I do is, on my YouTube channel, I make a, uh, a show that is a how-to or a DIY show for making cosplay-level props. So if, if you think about it, when you watch my show, it's a lot like a cooking show. What I'll do is I'll take the foam, because everything is made out of foam, and I'll show you how to cut it up, how to glue it together, how to paint it. And in the end, you have things like Captain America's shield or Thor's hammer. That's, um, um, yeah, that's great. What's, what's, you know, I haven't been looking at the channel. What's some of your recent stuff? Uh, my more recent stuff, I did two uh, episodes back-to-back -back based off of uh, Fallout 4. So first I did uh, a, a Pip-Boy Again, I had done one on DOI Prop Shop, so I updated my Pit Boy build that still incorporated a phone. And then I did the uh, the Super Sledge, the Rock of a Pellet Sledgehammer. And the most recent one I built was a uh, blaster inspired by uh, what Rocket would build in Guardians of the Galaxy. I had oh, picked up cool. some bird feeders from uh, Winco, actually, that were like 50 cents each. And I kind of just held them up in the store and went, this could make a big blaster gun you know, barrel. And so I just kind of went with it, made something up. I, you know what, to get inside your brain and see you do that all the time when you're like at Home Depot and going, this could make a thing. That would be uh, yes. fantastic. 
<laughs> really, really weird left field uh, brain thinking. All like all the time. Yeah, it's you, a lot. You know, it's a I, lot of shape recognition or 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 shape comparisons. You know, when I um I go on your on your channel quite often, and I went on there and I saw the the Fallout videos, and I went. I want to watch all these at once. I got to make time to do it. And then, you know, I'll close it. And then I keep forgetting over and over again to go back and make time to watch them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's the problem with part one, two, and three. I really should just watch. And then when I have time, watch the rest. Right. Uh, at least they're not, I mean, they're kind of a part one, part two, because they're both going towards the same cosplay that went to dragon con. Cause I was helping out a friend Quicksilver, babe, but, um, they weren't really related otherwise. Like the the fall the Pit Boy is a completely self contained episode, and the the Super Sledge references the the Pit Boy because she's wearing it. But other than that, it's a self contained episode. So it's not oh, like cool. you have to carve out forty minutes to sit down and watch those two episodes because they're both long. So somehow my episodes have gone from being like seven eight minutes long to like seventeen minutes long constantly. <laughs> I you know what I'm I'm in I'm. I'm amazed every single time. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Um, thank you. But hey, it's, you know, it's normally been really enjoyable. I'm sorry it's over already, but thanks for having me come by. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> normally we have you on to talk about your props, and we we do those episodes periodically. We're gonna do them again. Right. Oh yeah. But this time, um, we you we're gonna talk yeah. about something that you're really into, and I'm really into. We're gonna talk about movies. I this was a, oh, okay. It is a family show. Good. <laughs> you are on fire this morning <laughs> i had coffee <laughs> but specifically we are going to talk about bad movies oh yes um, oh man yeah okay we're going to be talking about the movies we love to hate the movies we yeah. hate to hate and okay. the movies that we love but people keep on telling us not to okay yeah i like it yeah, those will easily fill all of our time slot. <laughs> <laughs> um, but first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You. Um, when we only have two of us here, we don't vote at the end. We just share a few nerdy things we're, we're doing, have a little conversation about it, and then we go into the topic. Oh, um, okay. So, Odin, what's nerdy yes. with you this week? What's nerdy with me this week? Well, let's see. Um, the nerdiest thing, if you want to call it nerdy, that I've done this past week and I was actually laughing when it was happening because I knew that this was coming up. Um, there's a place here in Sacramento, and uh, it's called the uh, the Crocker Art Museum. It is actually the Fine Art Museum here in Sacramento, and it's a fairly well-known museum. Uh, the This Monday, a new exhibition opened up, and part of it is a, uh, a piece of art that I made. I was contra contracted to fabricate a it's almost three feet in diameter and it's pretty much like a parabolic dish of three inch mirrors so it's, and uh it's all for uh oh what's her name Dwayne michaels she does a lot of uh portrait stuff with uh mirrors and it just kind of the, what the way that she always does her uh her art so the the museum wanted this thing that could hang up as part of the entrance to her exhibit to where the guests could could kind of play with it and do selfies and so the idea is each of the mirrors are on a small uh, wooden dowel and they're raised up and angled. So they're all aimed at the same point uh, about three feet away. So if you walk, walk right up to it about three feet away, you'll see yourself reflected in all 93 mirrors. Oh, wow. That was a lot of fun. How long did it take too. you to make that? Um, 
I worked on it off and on for about a week, I think. Uh, I, I think I spent a, another week or more prior to that thinking about how I was going to go about doing it, how I was going to figure out what the angles were, how many rings of uh, uh, mirrors there was. Isaiah will talk them into doing three-inch mirrors instead of two-inch mirrors just because it reduced the number of mirrors by, like, half. <laughs> well, let's see. This, one of the interesting things about your creations, Odin, is – any other artist, after describing what they made, I would have assumed they were going to say, like, oh, it took me six months. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, when you said that, that just a little bit more than a week, I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess you, that's the prop building background. You know, you make props, you have time limits and deadlines. And when, you make, when you're making art, you get the same sensibility mixed into it. Uh, yes. Definitely. And it, and it was something that had a deadline because the, the show was opening this past Monday and they needed to have it there for soft opening and press things uh, last week. So they actually got it delivered to them last Thursday. Uh, so oh, wow. whatever, whatever date that was. And um, yeah, it, it was cutting out wood. And the, the most fun was going through with Photoshop and actually making sure I had all the angles right. Because I did like a, a kind of a right triangle thing to make sure that um, the angle between the mirror and the center point, the focal point, um, you know, angle C, whatever I did, the reciprocal of it. So I did laid that out in Photoshop to make a foam core template to set the miter saw so I could get all the wooden dowels cut at the right angle. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, I was at, um, I was at work, um, and I work at a school and I was helping the educational tech guy set up, um, Inkscape for the kids so they could make um, SVG vector files that could be fed to the laser cutter. Oh, fun. Yeah, and I, it's it's so cool that kids nowadays can do stuff like that. When I was a kid, we didn't have a computers in school. So, yeah, it's just amazing to see. Right, I, yeah, Apple IIe, yes. <laughs> I love being able to hear someone say, I, I, I mapped something out in Photoshop to make my piece. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, yeah, it's so cool to be able to do like the to be able to have the measurements and not have to whip out a drafting table and T square and all that. Yeah, very much so. Which uh, I don't have the drafting table, but I've got a T square. I've got a bunch of uh, you know I've got the the triangle and I've got a, a hexagon template. My dad was a was a draftsman, so I've got some of his tools still for for huh. actually doing drafting. I had them too. I because I, I still have my box from middle school from when when I went through all those classes in school because they used to do them in in woodshop. We did a little bit of drafting. Oh, yeah, you would. Yeah. You know, I never no took woodshop. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> That's one thing I missed out on. Did you? Well, I bet you there's a lot of things you do in your propping that you never learned in school. Uh, yeah, very much so. A lot of it is is from my dad or just from figuring it out you know or, or trying to do it in some way and failing and realizing that was the wrong way that was a, a big way i learned i have something pretty good this week actually oh, good i have something that that i'm not going to say competes with that because nothing <laughs> ever competes with odin the all father is unbeatable uh, that's right so there's this facebook page called ask the pathfinder it's a oh, um God. it's related to pathfinder role-playing game and um, there's this great guy in Australia who set up this page and he answers Pathfinder questions and it turned into a pretty nice content page for role-playing games in Pathfinder. And he put a little art con, he put a little, um, writing contest on there where he asked for a little blurb to fill in for an adventure. And the contest was 
there's a king and a queen that are at each other's throats, and the queen, and no, it was a lord and a lady, sorry, lord and a lady are at each other's throats, and the lady um, wants to assassinate the lord and hires the adventurers to come up with a cursed item that can assassinate the lord, but it has to look like an accident. And the writing contest, there was a writing contest okay. saying, write a little blurb showing what that cursed item is, and it has to look like an accident. There's wind chimes. I hear wind chimes. Can you hear the wind chimes? Did they come in through the mic? Um, I don't hear the wind chimes right now, but twice I've heard what sounded like a little jingle bell. Yeah. That was, oh, that's my cat. Okay. I'm, I don't edit those out. This is my cat jingling around in the background. Oh, okay. She gets really active when I'm doing the podcast. Of course. Yeah, that's Momo. Because as a she, cat, it knows yeah. that, 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 oh, I need to do this and make sure that I'm on there, too. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, like, she'll sleep the entire morning, and the second I get on the podcast, she's, like, tearing around the house. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, anyway, back to the writing contest. I, I, um, I designed a cursed item that was a box of cookies. And the cookies oh. are perfectly safe, but the box is cursed. So whoever gets the box oh. is cursed with starvation. No matter what they eat, they don't get any nourishment, and they eventually die. Oh, wow, that's so, nice. So the cookies will get blamed, and then when they're tested, they're found to be fine. Other people who ate the cookies were fine. The king eventually dies, and it looks like he got a random sickness that made him die. Okay. And so how does I, the box know to only affect the king? Because he received the box. He received the box. Okay. Yeah, it's like the you know standard cursed item rules. Okay. You know okay. he was the one who was given, and yeah. So you know from all of lore, like the monkey's paw and stuff like that. I won. I was one of the people who won the contest, and we got to play in a play test of the Pathfinder Second Edition game. And I thought it was just going to be a quick little online game, and it ended up being a three-hour game that's going to lead into another three-hour game. And um, it was streamed on Facebook on the Ask, Ask a Pathfinder Facebook page, and really it cool. was really cool. Yeah, it was it was a neat thing to participate in. I've been really wanting to participate in a second edition play test because I don't game as much as I used to since I moved. So it was nice to play a game. I'm going to play the second part next week, and really looking forward to it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was nice to do something like really randomly nerdy that wasn't just my normal routine. I mean, hell, I play video games and read comic books and do all sorts of stuff all the time, but right. I got to participate in something really cool. So thank you, Ask a Pathfinder. I'm going to put links to his stuff in the show notes. And um, yeah, that was my thing this week. That's actually really cool. What was the name of the museum that you did your thing in? I'm going to make a little note of it so I can put it down. It's the Crocker Art Museum. The Crocker Art Museum. Yeah. And uh, I can't remember the guy's first name now, but Mr. Crocker was one of the guys that was running the SP Railroad. So it's it's all related to you know the um, the railroad because <laughs> here Sacramento was the uh, the West Coast beginning of the Pony Express and the West Coast beginning of the uh, Continental Railroad. So there's a lot of things here that that come from railroad. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess when you're talking about like places like California, you're you're talking about like the final destination for a lot of that stuff. For a lot uh, of that stuff. Yeah, no, it is definitely. Yeah, and also uh, final destination for coming up from uh, coming up the river. Um, the with the gold rush, there was a big. At first, uh, a lot of people went to Marysville because that was I think was one of the first really big cities to get built. But then Sacramento became uh, bigger, and because it was a shorter trip up, upstream. And so uh, Sacramento got built up. So I believe both Marysville and Sacramento were um, good bustling cities before California was a state. 
So, Odin, are you ready yes. for the best segue ever? Oh, I heard you. I heard you plugging it. <laughs> yes. What is that, Brian? What are we doing? Speaking of Final Destination, we're yes. going to be talking about bad movies this morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's 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 bad videos. All we're gonna talk about is Michael Jackson videos with it take place in subways and and oh no wait a minute. Now I want to let everyone know that I know I'm getting a lot of hate for saying Final Destination is a bad movie, but when I did my internet research, it was critically panned. It, oh, fully. Yeah, but it's great. It's fun to watch, and that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about bad movies that are fun to watch. Absolutely. So, as the first part of our discussion, Odin. What yes. makes a bad movie fun to watch? Things that can make a bad movie fun to watch. Uh, I love it when a bad movie, and, and you're watching, you know it's bad, and they kind of they kind of tried, or maybe they really tried, but it's somehow it looks like they had fun doing it. If that makes and any they, sense. And they and, can't really be self-aware. I don't think. Like when they're making the movie, they have to think they're making something good, right? That that helps. Uh, but sometimes that can make it even cringier. But yeah, that helps. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. going to include any spoofs on the list because right, I was no. doing like I was doing research and things like Epic Movie came up. Yeah. And I'm not going to include that because that's just going to end that a lot of those just be end up being bad because there's only so much you can do in a spoof. Pretty much. And and they've got a budget that most people, you know, most movies will spend on their catering table. So, yeah, no, that's not. I mean, I get it, but it's. I can I can appreciate that rule that that the movie movies aren't in there. I think there's sometimes like um, if a kid would like it, but an adult wouldn't. It's probably that kind of movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, children at heart like us. Well, of course, because other things I can enjoy a movie for, of course, is any kind of um, proper set design. And it doesn't have to be sci fi, but that helps a lot. Uh, I'll end up watching something just because I enjoy some weird thing that they've done in the movie or, um, it's great when I can enjoy the story enough that I don't pay attention to how things are made. But when the movie's so bad, I just start watching to see how they made stuff. It can still be a lot of fun if that makes any sense. And I, uh, I love it when they have to set up a particular like makeup effect or makeup gag and, and obviously they didn't communicate how they were going to do it. And so the makeup artist just assumed, well, it'll be a straight on shot. So the face is perfect. And there's this like quarter inch scene that runs right up the ear and up the side of the face. And they get on set and it's a total profile shot. So you're looking at this big saw line running up the side of the head. <laughs> it's like, did nobody see this? <laughs> so when watching thing, this on VHS and they can see it. <laughs> one of the reasons why I picked this topic was um, you have a special relationship with movies because you're part of a meetup that watches movies. Yes. Yes, I am. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that? The meetup is called the Sacramento Cinephiles. And what we do is we get together on the first Thursday of every month at a pizza place here in Sacramento. And uh, we'll watch whatever movie uh, has been decided on for the month. Typically, the movie is related to something that just came out in the theaters. So it can either be the first half to a sequel something else the director did, or sometimes it's something that just feels related for whatever esoteric reason. And then uh, we all sit around and delightfully make fun of the movie while we eat pizza. It's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> What's the last one you did? Uh, the last one I did was, oh, come on, brain. 
chasing Amy. I showed up to, we were going to watch it because we, we decided to vote once we were there. People brought movies and uh, chasing Amy went out as, as a movie that people wanted to watch because enough people hadn't seen it. I want to watch that again because I think I was the wrong age for it when it came out and I did not like that movie. And I okay. think it had a lot to do with, I expected something a little bit more silly from Kevin Smith. Oh yeah. No, for a third movie, you definitely would after ball. Yeah. Rats and yeah. Yeah. And I want to see it again because I think I'd appreciate it more now. Yeah. It has some bits of silly, like the, the whole Jaws scene in the, uh, in the club booth, but um, where, they're, where they're comparing their dating scars. But, one um, thing I told you, um, one thing I told you before we started was, when I see a movie I don't like, I tend to delete it completely from my memory, and I don't remember anything about Chasing Amy. Fair enough. Yeah, I, and yeah. I have a few. I have a few on my list, and we'll get into those in a bit. That actually um, sounds like a pretty good survival mechanism. <laughs> I, you know what? I don't remember high school. <laughs> so that that is you, an excellent survival mechanism. <laughs> yeah, that tells you my experience there. The one yeah. thing that I remember in Chasing Amy that I really enjoyed that I saw in the theater, and it was funny how many people seemed to tell me either they didn't see it or they don't notice it. And even at the cinephiles, that was kind of happening. There's a point, you know, at the end of the second act, everything has to fall apart, right? And then you go into the third act where you get resolution. So in the end of the second act of the movie, if I remember when it happened correctly, the, the two main characters, uh, the, 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 the boy and the girl, the, the love interests, um, are having an argument down a darkened street while it's raining, right? And so she keeps running away because she doesn't want to deal with them. So they're getting all soaking wet. And the building, because they're on a city street, behind them is all glass with all this water running down it. The whole camera crew is reflected in the wet building. As they walk back and forth, you can see the dolly, you can see the grips, you can see the director. Everybody's there <laughs> while they're trying to act out the scene. It's like, you, you didn't see this? <laughs> but I don't know. I, I enjoy that. That's fantastic. Um, so you can straight up see Kevin Smith? I believe you can straight up see, see oh. Kevin Smith. Oh, I'm that is great. You know, one there's a movie like that with a little flub that I, I love is Twister. Okay. You can always see crew in the reflections in the hubcaps. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's it's just like you can play a drinking game with it. I bet you can. So yeah. um, uh, you're making me remember So Fifth Element which is just a straight up great movie. Um, when they first get to Flotsam Paradise, right? And they open up the doors and the camera's got this huge wide angle lens and it pushes through the door and you have everybody throwing lays around and it's all the celebration because welcome to the ship. As uh, I, I think they changed out the lens between the first time they tried it and when they did the final take for the movie. Because as the camera comes through the door, you can kind of see behind the door and the left side of the screen is a crew member in a jean jacket holding like a remote control, doing something just plain. He's got, he's got tape hanging off of his belt. I was watching the TV <laughs> show angel yesterday. Okay. And, um, there's a scene where angels in the back of this lawyer's car and he's menacing her and he, he does like the Batman vanish where she looks away and then he looks, she looks back and he's gone. Okay. And you can see him crouch down in the back of the car. Oh, you can awesome. see just the top of his leather jacket. And I'm like, <laughs> how? Oh, my God. All you have to do is increase the video image by like 110% and shift it down. They're, they're <laughs> only there for a few seconds. But I was like, that is incredible. <laughs> That's awesome. And But, I mean, they did it with a cut. He didn't have to duck. No, they he could have gotten out of the car. 
Yeah. Well, they could have just added a scene of the empty back seat. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that blew me away. Um I, I that was something I never really thought of was was like talking about flubs. Sure. Yeah, that that's that's fantastic. I, I'm not uh, you know, I, I don't have an eye for it all the time though. I, I mean I know it happens a lot with remasters. Like when they when they make a movie that was in a different format and they stretch it out into like letterbox or something like that, sometimes you oh, get yeah. things that you couldn't see before. Right. Like uh okay, something weird to, to mention, Hogan's Heroes. So Hogan's Heroes played on TV, and at the time, everything was 4 by 3 right? Well, they shot it all on film. So when they remastered the entire Hogan's Heroes series, they were able to make it 16 by 9 because they actually had the film footage. But yeah. it was never framed for that. So you constantly get C-stands and microphones and stuff on the sides of the screen because they were supposed to be cropped off. What's a C-stand? A C-stand is a chrome stand used with filmmaking, and you you can hang... It's it's a way of propping something up. You can hang up. Uh, things are called flags. It's it's a it's like a piece of cardboard with uh, with uh, fabric on it, and you can use it to block light from falling in the wrong place. Like you want to light up the wall, but not the actor, so you set up this flag, oh. to keep the actor in shadow. Oh, so uh, it's you, sort of like um, the stand you put a gobo on. Uh, yes, it's like yeah. the stand you put a gobo on, and you can put all sorts of things on C stands because they're hardy. So, oh, okay. but it's it's a big shiny telescoping. And it's called a C-stand because the legs will, uh, uh, I think it's called a C-stand because the way the legs fold up, it'll fold up very flat. You know, un unlike a tripod that where the legs are complicated and fold down, this has just got three bent legs in the bottom that are different heights, and they'll all fold up, and it'll, it'll be able to hang flat against the wall. One, one of the things I miss about... Yes? One of the things you miss about not hitting the mute button in the middle of a podcast is that it leaves your guest hanging. But, of course, this is all going to be dealt with in post, so it doesn't really matter. My cat walked on the... <laughs> did I, oh, when did awesome. I? When did I cut out? Uh, it was just one of the things that I missed. Uh, <laughs> or one, one of, of the, the things that I missed. I don't remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> one of the things I missed about DVDs. Oh, okay. Um. That was pretty sweet, Odin. But one of the things I miss about DVD, I'm leaving all that in. Oh, um, <laughs> one of the things I miss about DVDs is being able to listen to commentary. I watch everything streaming now, so I don't oh, get okay. commentary. Um, I was watching the commentary for Evil Dead 2. Oh, yeah. And I've seen that movie More many, many it. times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. It's because it's got so much innovation in it. And like so many movies can go back and say, we use this from Evil Dead 2. Yes. I mean, for years and years and years and years. Yes. Um, there's a scene in that movie. Um, in Evil Dead 1, they actually filmed the movie. Uh, hey, get off my desk. Get off my desk. <laughs> she even meowed. How she, nice. She just jumped right on my desk anyway after I told her not to. Um, or she's a cat. You know, yeah. you know, <laughs> cats were worshipped as gods in Egypt. They haven't forgotten. So... God, I'm so thrown off. <laughs> We're talking so, about Evil Dead and something they shot in yeah. the first one. Evil Dead 1 was filmed in the cabin. They couldn't get the cabin again for Evil Dead 2, so they made a set. Okay, and so they couldn't get the cabin or just that uh, they needed to do more so they did it as a set instead? It was, I, you know, I don't remember all the details, but it was like the cabin didn't exist anymore. It was no. actually, they tried to get the cabin again. Okay. Um. So... There are scenes in that movie where Ash is running around the cabin, uh -huh. and you can totally see that it's a set. 
Yeah, you I can totally see the, the studio lights. I never noticed that until yes. I saw the commentary. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's it's it's he's getting either being chased by the spirit or or something, and like he's like almost it's almost like Bruce is holding the camera and running around, right? And you can see yeah. the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, you can see that there is no ceiling. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's amazing. But I mean, what is it about a movie that you wouldn't notice that? I mean, because it's totally obvious once that someone points it out to you. I guess oh, yeah. maybe it would be more obvious to people like who have been in the business. Maybe they'll be like, oh, I see that. I see that. I see that. But for people who don't know, why wouldn't you see that when it's so obvious? Um, it's it's kind of like a magician's misdirection, I think. With with most of the scenes, ideally, you're paying attention to the actor and the actor's face. And in that case, you wouldn't necessarily see it. But but uh, for those of us that look around the edges of things, you can see it pretty easily. Yeah, and that I would think, be my first guess. I think that's what I've done now. Um, oh, I'm adding another movie to the movies I hated. I want to do that right now. Oh, sure. Hold on. Yep. We'll talk about that in a bit. This is for oh, suspense. Getting there, suspense. Um, so definitely, one of the things I got to do that was that was unique and enjoyable um, here in Sacramento. There's a there was a film collector, and he was doing a showing of uh, the Willis O'Brien version of The Lost World. So we all go to uh, the Colonial Theater. It's an art house revival theater, and we're watching the 16 millimeter print of of the original The Lost World. And when it was finished. He came out and announced that he managed to get a hold of a copy of Jurassic Park, 1994 Jurassic Park. But what he had was uh, called a flat print. So in movie theaters, when they're using films, you would have a, a, a flat print and a scope print. And the, the difference is how the image is formatted on the frame. With a flat print, everything is at the proper aspect ratio, but it still fills the 35 millimeter frame, which is four by three. Because that's was that's academy aspect. That's what film is. Uh, or at least 35 millimeter film, uh, or a scope print will actually stretch the 16 by nine ish image. That's wrong terminology, but good enough uh, to fill the image to to fill the frame. So you are using all the frame to get your image, but then your scope lens compresses it back down to actually be projected at the right rectangle on the screen. So by having a flat print, he could take the gates off of the camera and show the entire frame, and oh, we're wow. able. To and we were able to see more Jurassic Park than you could ever see before. And especially in the trailer in the very beginning when Hammond meets up with um, Sam Neill and, and Laura Dern. Um, I think I probably said the wrong name. Um, you can totally see the boom mic with, with, with the fuzzy dead cat on it moving back and forth because they couldn't frame it out. you know, Or they didn't need to. It was going to be cropped out. Uh, and now, I know what you meant by fuzzy dead cat, but please describe that for our listeners who are <laughs> freaking out right now. Okay, fair enough. So it's it, it's a loving term given to uh, the the fuzzy thing you put over a microphone. So the, a, a boom mic, say, is a microphone at the end of a long pole, and the sound man has to hold this over his head, out in the scene, over to the actor's head, but out of the camera's frame. Well, when you put a microphone out like that, any wind noise will be easily picked up. And oddly enough, when you cover something with uh, a little bit of uh, fuzzy fur, usually it's artificial, so the uh, you don't have to deal with, you know, the is porous. It actually cuts down the wind noise to nothing. And it's really interesting. It works well in high wind. And that term for this long, fuzzy thing you put over a microphone is called a dead cat. It's just this delightful thing that things get called. Oh, there, there are so many of those. There's so many of those, yeah. Well, it's like, it's like... Who thought to call the guys that do everything grips? I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, 
I mean, I know they hold things, but that's right. a weird name. It, it is. Uh, at least Best Boy has some sort of, you know, when when they were trying to get different pe- people from different teams to come over and help, it's like, would well, you send me your Best Boy over? You know, so that kind of makes some sense. I'm probably telling the story wrong, but. Well, this conversation yeah. is is going into behind the scenes on movies that I never thought it was. I love this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, the other thing that's fun to watch for, speaking of boom mics for me, uh, and, and it comes from repeated viewings usually, I try not to watch for it the first time, is spotting the boom mic or the shadow of the boom mic in movies. Oh, the yeah. Sh- the shadow's great, like uh, The Fish Called Wanda. Half the time when they're in the apartment, in Ken's apartment, you can see the boom mic reflected the pictures in the back wall. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, it's one of those things that I know I saw, but then I don't know if they corrected it with the special edition, but uh, in The Empire Strikes Back, immediately after the probe droid crashes on Hoth, and um, Luke's Tauntaun freaks out, and he takes his goggles off and puts them on top of his head, the boom mic reflects in his goggles. Spot the boom mic. That sounds like a great game. And I get, I bet you can see it in a lot of movies because it's probably really hard to catch sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. And and it's one of those things that you, you can get all the shots set up, but the sound man doesn't want to hold the boom mic while you're setting up the shot. So, you know, which you know, a lot of professional guys do. I'm not trying to badmouth sound man. So I've got some really good friends, but um, they're still human and they're holding this thing for hours, you know, so it's going to move around. I bet you get a lot of like a lot of directors that are like, well, who made that would make that decision would be a director or um, the person in charge of photography. I guess it depends on the movie. Probably um, depends on the movie. It's, it's probably uh, in, in if I remember correctly, in American cinema, the director is allowed to look through the lens to help set up a shot, but is not allowed to look through the lens while film is being exposed. That's that's union rules. So it's probably going to be director of photography or cameraman is going to be almost more responsible for that. And that's also why there's a lot of things in other countries, probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In other countries, the director can fully expose the camera. Uh, But you'll see directors looking at a monitor. That's what the camera is seeing. It's it's like a video feed of what the camera sees because that's okay for the union rules. And that way he can actually see what the scenes are. But at what level when you're trying to make sure that everyone's hitting their marks, everyone's costumes are right, uh, you're going to miss things like, the boom mic because you know <laughs> well i know you get a lot of things for. i know you get a lot of things that are on purpose like for example um in dark knight rises yeah um christopher nolan straight up said when th- th- there's this scene where there's a tunnel chase batman's okay. doing this whole chase but when, when they went into the tunnel it was day and when they come out of the tunnel it's night okay and it's talked about online as one of the biggest movie holes of all time type things christopher nolan did it on purpose he 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 thought it was good for the scene and he thought no one would really notice and no one really does it's just one of those things that now that we have the internet the people who do notice tell everybody right interesting yeah and there's probably lots of that where directors are just like you know leave it in no one's gonna care no one's gonna notice we'll just leave it and, right. you know, if they do notice, then then it's just the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think another thing that makes a movie bad but also fun to watch is chewing the scenery. Chew- when um, chewing the scenery, um, ham acting, um, okay. che- um, when an actor is just like doesn't care and just 
puts his all into a role. Meme-worthy acting. All right. <laughs> I don't know where the term chewing the scenery came from. I, th- I, I, I looked it up once. I believe it has to do with, like, someone who's to- totally into a scene where they start, like, biting onto things and stuff. I think it actually comes from a specific example of someone who did that. Okay. Um, I, I think the best example of chewing the scenery, really ham acting, is um, Raul Julia in Street Fighter. Oh, wow. All right. Um, was that his last movie? <laughs> it was his last movie before he passed away. Sad. Yeah. Um, he just didn't. He, I, I'm guessing, and this is totally speculation, that he knew this movie was just a paycheck for him. Oh, and yeah. he decided he was just going to play it as hard as he possibly could. Because his scenes in that movie are the most fun to watch. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Van Damme is just cardboard through the whole movie. Well, you know, no, 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 Van Damme, but yeah. <laughs> Have you seen JCVD? No. You need to see JCVD. Van Damme's okay. actually a pretty good actor. Okay. Yeah. Um, JCVD is Van Damme playing him, uh, a fictionalized version of himself who. Yeah, that does sound awesome. Who gets caught up in a bank robbery and ends up pretending to be one of the robbers to help stop the robbers. Okay. <laughs> it's amazing. And he play he plays such a self-reflective role. There's a scene in the movie where he kind of floats up above the set and you can see all the stage lights and he talks directly to the camera. Okay. It's amazing. It's it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. Okay, I'm gonna need to like pull this up here. <laughs> the cat walked on my mute again. Oh, I didn't notice this time. She's literally lapping around the room and walking right over my laptop. Of course. Seriously, Momo, you're being awful right now. <laughs> um, so JCVD, you get to see a depth to Jean Claude Van Damme. He plays emotional roles. He plays this like self-reflected role of this like has-been actor who. Um, is going through a divorce and can't and can't um, and and plays in these like f- he plays in Eastern European countries in these B movies just right. to get by. Okay, it's really great. Yeah, it's really freaking great. Um, and he's also on a Amazon show um, where right. he plays a um, spy and he plays himself playing the spy. That, okay. So he's, um, him, he's gone down the William Shatner route where, where well, he's become self-aware on camera. <laughs> him and all the other like nine, 80s and 90s action stars right. were really spies and hitmen. Oh, that the okay. That worked for like the CIA. And, you know, it since he played in like foreign countries all the time, it was a perfect role. It was sort of like, um, oh, the guy from the gong show. Oh, what's his name? Oh, uh, not Chuck Berry. Chuck, Chuck Barris, right? Chuck Barris? Yeah, well, I don't know. Interesting in front of me. Heaven forbid I use it. You know? Do you know Chuck Barris's story? No, I know Oingo Boingo's story, but not Chuck Barris's. Chuck Barris, the host of the Gong Show, claimed that while he was um, producing game shows, he was secretly working for the CIA as an assassin. Okay. And they made a movie about it called Memo- Memoirs. Um, no, um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and it stars um, Sam Rockwell playing Chuck Barris, and it's amazing. Okay. It's got um Chuck it's got um Sam Rockwell, George Clooney, um Julia Roberts and Drew Barrymore. Oh. Huh. It's a really good movie. 
Um, that doesn't fit into our bad movies that are fun to watch list, but right. yeah. Um, but yeah, I have to say, um, John Claude Van Damme movies all kind of fit into the bad movies that are fun to watch up there with Steven Seagal, Steven Seagal too. Yeah. That, that's too. I didn't include any of those in my notes list when we were making, but now that we're talking about it, <laughs> those guys, I those love guys. it. Yeah, yeah I love Under Siege. Little, Under Siege is amazing. Yeah, kick-ass cook, right? <laughs> but it's a bad movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got Gary Busey in it. Of course it's bad. Of course it's bad. Yeah. The, uh, um, Tommy Lee Jones, some of the best performances of his life. Oh. <laughs> what, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think when an actor doesn't care, you know, when they're like, Sometimes it can turn a movie that could have just been awful into something amazingly fun to watch because um, Wild Wild West. Um, yeah. Um, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. He went ham in that. You had to. Yeah. And I think his scenes are great to watch. His scenes are great to watch, but that yeah. movie is painful. <laughs> I, I Kevin actually get fine. Does it to a degree, but you, you can tell he's trying to take it seriously. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, I, I think the best parts of that movie is how crazy Branagh is in it. But Branagh is such a serious actor. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And and for whatever reason, he took this role. Maybe he was a fan of the show, but oh, man. what's I was just complaining about the steampunk spider to somebody else earlier this week. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I want you to make it full size. Full make size. Make the steampunk spider. spider. Full size. Out of foam. <laughs> it's all PVC and pipe insulation. No, it can't it, even it's, hold itself up. <laughs> it's just mats. It, you'd make the whole thing out of mats. That's, that's uh, yeah, I haven't seen it in a little while, but uh, one of the requests that'll pop up from time to time is make the Death Star full size out of foam. Oh my God. <laughs> Typically, I then try to ask, well, is this the size that's supposed to be in the movie or full size, like a three foot sphere? Because that's all the model was. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so. We got um, we got mistakes. We got ham acting. We got their okay. their. We didn't talk about we got low budget. Self-aware actors. We got low, yeah, a little like, bit of low budget. Like um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh yeah, that's a fun bad movie to watch. Oh, that's a fun bad movie to watch. I yeah, I was totally into that as a kid because yeah, it played on TV and yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean the the television show, but the original Super Eight or sixteen millimeter, however it was shot movie. Yeah, I think it was sixteen millimeter. <laughs> and I think one of the one of the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes movies is what gave us George Clooney. Really? I yeah. didn't know that. I believe yeah, that. Um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. You know, the Fully works for your podcast Clooney. with a, a realistic typing. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's amazing. Well, I really have this button on my desk that's just typing sounds. Oh, awesome. <laughs> um, oh, he was in the original one. He was in the original one. He was in the original one. Was the he the guy in the, in the scuba suit? <laughs> 1988. Oh, no, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Return of the, yeah. Yeah, that's not the original one, not 88. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, he he played Matt Stevens in Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Okay. Um, and John Aston played Professor Gangrene. Okay. Oh, um, speaking of actors who've been in some bad movies, rest yeah. in peace. Um, um, oh my God, this is awful that I can't remember his name now. But you know that's the part of problem of doing a live show. Burt Reynolds, rest in peace, oh, Burt Reynolds. Yes. Okay. 
There's I a guy found that had a lot of out. fun making movies. <laughs> yeah, I found. I mean, Cannonball Run. Oh yeah. Yeah, I found that out this morning by doing my research. Oh, I typed really? in bad movies that are fun to watch, and rest in peace, Burt Reynolds popped up. <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Oh, okay. No, yeah. I just found out this morning. Uh, I, I remember really seeing that pop up. That yeah, wasn't that long ago, like two weeks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like the fifth or something like that. Yeah. Oh, a little longer than two weeks, but still. No, it's about two weeks. Um, another friend that was a coworker a while ago, he was working as... Um, like a prop boy on a number of different productions in the seventies. Uh, he wasn't making stuff. What, what Robert was doing was, uh, he was on set and making sure that the things that went out to the actors came back. Right. So he was kind of doing an inventory version of it. Well, he ended up working on cannonball run at one point. And so he posted a picture of himself and Jamie Farr off of the set of cannonball run. Cause that was like the one picture he had this, this Polaroid. And, um, yeah, and he was just saying that Burt Reynolds on set was a sweetheart. He was a great guy to be around, at least at that time. I'm sure he still was because he just looks like he was a lot of fun. I love Hooper, which is a mid to late 70s stuntman movie. It stars Burt Reynolds and the guy that went on to be an airwolf. I can't remember his name. Um, And they're driving around in the big truck, and uh, I believe Sally Field's in it. Burt Reynolds' horse drinks beer right out of the bottle. Uh, Jack Michael Vincent? Yeah, Jen Michael Vincent. Yeah. And and the whole end of the movie is this super elaborate stunt that they could only possibly get once where they're going to like blow up smokestacks from an industrial plant and he's going to drive around all these explosions and then like all sorts of crazy things like no, this is but whatever. Uh that it's it's a lot of fun. And it's um I think Burt Reynolds plays the character Hooper. He's the old man stuntman. John uh Jen Vincent Michael is the is the new kid, the new stuntman coming in. And, you know, Reynolds is, is in, in the position of if he does a stunt just wrong, he'll break his back and, and, and ruin himself or kill himself. He's going to go out and do it anyway. It's one of those movies. It's, it's a lot of fun. And I bet they had a ton of fun making it. Um, so when you're watching a movie um, and you realize it's bad, what yeah. makes you stay watching it? Um, what can get me to stay watching it is, uh, well, there's the, the fascination of, you know, of the train wreck or the, or, or the fascination of, uh, of, of like the car wreck type of, type of a thing. You know, when you're, it's something horrible you shouldn't be looking at, but you're still watching it. There's a little bit of that. Usually what can get me to, to stick around, um, when it's bad enough to still be enjoyable is, is going to be, uh, the way they did pieces of the set, the way they did some of the costumes or, or the disbelief of, are they, are they really trying to pull this off? Sometimes um, for me, it's just, um, how beautiful the movie is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I'm like, it, in wow, a way, these I, shots maybe, are amazing. And then yeah. people are like, why are you watching this horrible film? And I'm like, didn't you see how that, sh- how that was set up? Did you see, I mean, the actor was talking to a reflection and there was a shadow and it was a mate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's some weird little thing that most people are, are going to pay attention to where it feels like most aren't. Yes. Like, um, okay, so one of the most maligned movies of all time, The Happening. Okay, yeah. That is a beautiful movie. Okay. Um, there is a scene where a guy lets himself get run over with a lawnmower. What? And okay, it, I'll bet I had not seen The Happening. He lets himself get run over with a lawnmower? <laughs> um, the Happening is about all of a sudden people start killing themselves. Okay. They, it's like they lose control and they start killing themselves. Oh, okay. And I, I understand why, because I've heard the end. But uh, it's about a family running around trying to figure, trying to survive, and then it ends up being a like 
maybe the plants did it and it's so stupid right. and there's the there's terrible acting in the movie and um mark Wahlberg gets a lot of the blame for this but i think it's i think it's m knight's fault because i think Probably. mark Wahlberg is one of those actors that requires good direction the, yeah but yeah the the happening is a movie i watched the whole thing because i was enjoying watching the movie i okay. the story was obviously awful but i really obviously. enjoyed watching the movie I, I i mean i got a lot of enjoyment out of it i actually walked out of the movie saying that was good i liked okay. it i okay. mean the the whole thing with the plants was awful the acting decisions made me laugh and i i like that part i think any any time acting can be created into a meme it's probably a bad movie fun to watch okay yes and the whole thing with mark Wahlberg, no lady i wouldn't do that no what what (laughs) have you seen any of the clips from it um no i haven't seen any of the clips of people killing themselves i think i've just seen some of the end shots like the trees blowing in the wind (laughs) it was a movie that was well promoted yes the trailers were amazing and i i liked it i i thought it was fun to watch i get why it's bad i get i mean i'm i'm straight up saying it's terrible it's it's just an awfully conceived thing but i loved it i i really enjoyed watching that one and I could watch it over and over and over again. Okay. Um, I understand that. So yeah. as far as staying in a movie because it's bad, I've told this story on the podcast before with Erica, but I want to tell it okay. now because it's in context of our topic. Context of our topic. Okay. So there's this movie based on a Stephen King book, and it's mm-hmm. called Dreamcatcher. Oh, uh, okay. You heard I, of this? I, I, know, I know of the book, and I know of the movie. I have not read or seen it. Dreamcatcher has got to be one of the worst films ever made. Really? And I have to say, it's fun to watch, but it's brutally awful. Um, okay. Yeah, it, it's just awful compounded on awful compounded on bad. <laughs> and it's got Jason Lee in it. It's got um, Morgan Freeman in it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it... You don't you it's one of those movies where you're like, what in the fuck am I watching? What kind of movie is this? Is this Hallmark? Is this horror? Is it well, does it have a budget? Did they shoot well, it on an iPhone? Well, you're watching you're watching these guys in a cabin and it has this setup that they're in a cabin and they're going to be stalked by these monsters. And okay. then it turns into the government is hunting aliens. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just get okay. that in your head. And then there's this whole thing with their friend. One of the kids' friends is psychic, and they have to use the friend and their connection with the friend to defeat the the evil monster that's been around forever. Okay. But it you're like, but what about the aliens? What about the yeah? Well, so the aliens suddenly don't don't exist anymore. It, but but like, w- were the mon- was the monster that they encountered with a kid the same monster they're encountering in the cabin and are, is it connected to each other and why is the government hunting aliens all of a sudden? Is this Independence Day or is this a horror movie in the in the in in the snow in the, in a cabin? It it, uh, it okay. Really, and it was one of Stephen King's first books that he wrote after his car accident. Oh okay. And. I've looked. I haven't read the, <laughs> and the book. movie. Is a, is a car accident. No, well, I haven't read the book, okay. but I looked up synopsis of the book, and it follows the movie. Wow! So, and, and the book did well, so I don't get how. Well, at this point, Stephen King books just automatically do well, don't they? Or at least they did. Maybe, 
but I, I don't know how critically it did. I didn't go that far. But anyway, the story goes is I went to see the movie with my sister, Erica, and she was excited about seeing it because she'd heard of the book and she you know, we were both excited to see the movie. Yeah. She, about five minutes in, I want to go. This is awful. <laughs> wow. No, let's <laughs> hold on and see if it gets better. <laughs> I made her watch the whole thing. And she has never forgiven me for this. <laughs> okay. I mean, we're, we're, it's, it's, um, an hour, it's, um, 139 minutes long. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just a bad movie. It's a bad long movie. It's a bad long movie. Wow. That's going to make it worse. So, yeah. Um, I think what made me stay there was, I got that there were horrible things happening and that it was it was a pretty bad concept, but I wanted to see what happens because nothing could prepare me for everything that happened in that movie. It was like, what what the hell am I watching? And, yeah. and I guess it describes like you like you, you 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 your eyes can't get off the train wreck. Well, OK, yeah. Yeah. So um, is there. Is there anything that comes to mind of something you were watching that you just kind of like, maybe, maybe I'm going to walk out, but you didn't. Maybe I'm going to walk out, but I didn't. There's so few movies I've walked out on. Um, what have you walked out on? Uh, what have I walked out on? I, I, I think one of the ones I walked out. No, I, I still stuck around for it. Uh, what one was, um, what's not true stories. Um, cause I remember seeing that at the birdcage walk theater in the eighties. And, um, it, it was uh, one of the first movies that John Goodman was in after Raising Arizona. So I'm all excited about seeing another Raising Arizona style movie. And I knew that um, it was done by David Byrne, the Talking Heads guy, right? That was part of it. But man, that thing was just probably because my expectations were wrong. It was horribly boring. Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> I've seen like. We used to go to the video store and pick movies to see based on the box. Yeah. And I'd seen the box for that before, but I've never seen it. I was always right. curious about that movie. Right, because you've got it's, it's the guy in the suit reading the newspaper, the big cover of the newspaper just says true stories, right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems great. Man, I just like I I can't even remember why anymore, but it's just I I remember at the time my my basic review of the movie was it was the most expensive nap I've ever had. <laughs> i um I uh, and i know that i i stopped watching oh no no dang it now i can't remember the name of it it's 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 the the guys the the that are strung out on drugs and they keep stealing his mom's television and it's uh clint Mar marcel did the music for it and um oh damn it i had it i just totally lost it it's 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 the eyeball uh and on the poster darn i'm sorry uh, I stopped watching it just because the there's nothing wrong with the movie. It was done extremely well. It just got to be really painful because I was in the wrong mindset to watch these drug addicts abuse his mother. You know, I didn't make it to the first act. Uh, um, uh, Requiem wow, for Dream. Yes. And I was watching it because how much I love the soundtrack. But uh, And I'm sure it's a great movie. There's no way I'm going to say it's a bad movie because I didn't watch the whole thing. But it just... I. I can't even say that I was sympathizing with the characters necessarily because I don't really know um, anybody who's that horribly strung out. But it was just I can't watch these these guys be jerks to their mother anymore. <laughs> I think that Darren Aronofsky likes to make movies that are hard to watch. Okay. Um, have you seen Pie? 
I have not seen Pi. I want to see Pi. Pi, be prepared. Okay. <laughs> Thank Pi you for the warning. very hard to watch. All right. <laughs> I have not seen Mother yet. I want to see Mother. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that Darren Aronofsky likes to ins- explore human misery. And he really okay. did that with Requiem for a Dream. I, that is a mo- I'm, I'm glad there's some movies on this list that we've both seen. Uh, <laughs> Wait, the um, Requiem for a Dream is on the list, is it? No. No, okay. No, but I have seen it. I have yes. seen it. I, that's another movie I watched with my sister. Okay. Um, we, were, we, we did make it through the movie, and neither of us decided we wanted to, wanted to walk away, but we were both horrified through the whole movie. I mean, that movie is a movie about the misery of addiction. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, and what happens to the mother is the worst part of the movie, and awful things happen to every main character in that movie. Okay, I believe it. And I, I, I should sit down and rewatch it. I, I just wasn't at all prepared for it because I was I, I think, over the music. I don't think you should. Okay. <laughs> I mean, all right. There's, there's no reason to make yourself feel bad. I mean, it will. It's, it's a depressing movie. I mean, um, oh, a movie I did not include on my list. Um, you know, Nicolas Cage, ham actor. Oh, yeah. No. Great. Um, Raising Arizona. Let's go back to that. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. But Raging, Raising Arizona is good. I mean, yeah, um, on the show, on the television show community, there's this episode where there's a class called um, Nicolas Cage, good or bad. Okay. And um, community is a satirical sitcom that um, Dan Harmon makes or made. Sorry. Um, And they do this class, Nicolas Cage, good or bad. And one of the characters goes insane because he can't come to grips with if Nicolas Cage is good or bad. Okay. And it turns out that Nicolas Cage is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, he's he's on this list a couple of times. So bad <laughs> movies that are absolutely fun to watch. Um, and I have to get the name right. So excuse my typing. Sure, no problem. Um, Vampire's Kiss. Oh, okay, God, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. And there, I mean, you type in Vampire's Kiss in Google meme images pop up of course so that it will. tells you yeah especially with those crazy eyes yeah <laughs> you don't say <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, another one and birdcage walk again uh that's not on the list bad movies that i think is really fun to watch and it is a bad movie it was the last movie that uh bruce willis had hair hudson hawk i uh, love that movie oh it's a great movie I but it's a bad movie, movie. I have trouble defining it as a bad movie. It's so freaking great. Yeah. And the, um, and the songs they do to time the robberies and, oh, I just love that movie. Um, uh, okay. Is that, that is, um, who's in that with him? Is uh, it Danny Aiello? Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. such a good movie. I, and, 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 but and I'm going to say that a like lot crashing about. off the cliff and then comes back at the end being alive. I'm wondering if they just reshot that because like test audience was like, I can't believe you killed him. <laughs> it's all the, all the BS reasons for how he survived. I love it. <laughs> I love, I love movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. And they, they, they kind they're very self-aware of that at the end. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. <laughs> um, so we've been talking for an hour, so let's, dig into the list a bit. Let's just pick okay. some names that stand out. Um, I was almost hesitant to put Sharknado on here. Because that was one that was made to be what it is. Because it's, you know, 
I, I haven't seen any more recent Asylum movies, Sharknado being made by the, the company called The Asylum, but I bet that is a company that is fun to work for. Because, you know, that's, that's one of those things where we're going to make a movie for the, amount of, for the amount of money that, say, Pirates of the Caribbean spent on Snickers. And, yeah, that was fun and horrible. <laughs> I, I love I, – I, see, I, the reason why I included Sharknado on my list – and I'm sorry, listeners, I'm, I'm not – we're not going to go over every single thing because this list has – Oh, yeah, we got 90, a page of yeah, – page of, yeah. Yeah, page of movies. Um, we, we've been naming a few, but really our conversation was why are bad movies fun to watch? Um, so Sharknado, yes, it was self-aware. Yeah, but it's still a bad movie that's fun to watch. I don't care if they knew what they were making. Yeah, no. And I love it when people say, "I can't believe you watched that awful piece of shit." But it's so fun. I mean, when you notice little things and you notice the acting, yeah. and oh, it's just so good. It's it's what like they took everything about any kind of badly made movie and included it and didn't do it satirically. Right. Or 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 did but try to yeah. Yeah, it One doesn't things, come across as a spoof. No, it's not. Or at least you're right. It doesn't come across as a spoof. And I don't think it is a spoof. But it, I think they definitely took a number of tropes and a number of, of ideas and just ran with it. And then, you know, put a magnifying glass on them. And you can see inspiration from other things in it. Like they, they pull things from Evil Dead. They pull things from Jaws the Revenge. They pull yeah. things from, yeah, it it's just so great. Um one of the things I really liked about Sharknado, which is is possibly horribly subtle, but it, I, I'm just kind of watching it going, wait a minute. So they're they're in the guy's house, right? It's a two-story house, and it's flooding, and the sharks are coming in the lower floor, and they're running away, and they finally get out of the house, right? So they, so they get out of the back of the house that's flooding, run down the hill, and get away. So is, is there something there that I missed? No. <laughs> You know, the house is flooding and they run down the hill and get away. I missed that when I saw it. That's fantastic. How is that working? Oh, the cat is just on. She is just. Oh, yeah. No, no. She, oh. she, set, a, she set a noise off. It was great. Uh, um, so I'm going to pick three. Okay. From here. And. I'll let you pick three, too, but you don't have to pick them from this list. You can pull others out of your head if you want to, but I'm going to pick right. three that I put down. Um, the Avengers. The Avengers is one of the worst movies that is fun to watch. And if you're confused right now, <laughs> I'm talking about The Avengers made in 1989 based on the British television show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it is fun to watch because of Sean Connery. <laughs> I'm actually looking at your list. I don't even see it on the list. Yeah, it's on there. It's under Highlander 2. Yeah, fair enough. I think I was too yeah, distracted I, I, by Howard the Duck. <laughs> I snuck in. No, we, yeah, we snuck in mentioning Howard the Duck and Highlander 2 now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I um, I want to say Star Wars The Phantom Menace, um, but Star Wars The Phantom Menace, I can't say it's a bad movie that's fun to watch because I love it. Okay. And I don't love it because it's bad. I love it. I've always have. I saw it when it first came out and was yeah. shocked when, and I think a lot of people that was saw it when it first came out actually liked it. And we've been drowned in the internet complaining about it. Okay. Interesting. I, I got to see it a very interesting way uh, because I was working for a high tech company that was making equipment that could do streaming video over the internet in the nineties. 
um, there's a group of people that lined up at uh, the Chinese theater in Hollywood to go see The Phantom Menace. And they started lining up uh, well before the movie was there. And the theater ended up getting the movie because of the line. It wasn't scheduled to play there. So I waited in line uh, as, as a representative of this company, bringing this equipment down to set up for these people um, for, I think it was three weeks to, to see this movie. And then the night when it finally came out and everyone's all excited to see it and you come out at the end, it's like, oh, wow, that was a letdown. <laughs> I, I, the, I, I really like the beginning. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, I, the Jar Jar character really annoyed me. He was really hard to get over. The fact that he was part of three different poop jokes. Um, and uh, I think... Well, you got to do three. That's the rule of comedy. <laughs> That's the rule of comedy. <laughs> Even if it's spread out over two hours. Um, <laughs> I think uh, a big thing that George Lucas needs, that um, Zack Snyder needs, and now I can't remember the other director I was thinking about. They all need a co-director who are there specifically just to work with the actors. That, that these guys are excellent at sets. They're excellent at, at, at action, at comp uh, composition of the shots, but could care less about how the dialogue's being delivered. I agree completely. And I think they all need a co-director who's just there to work with the actors. And I, I think that's something that Phantom Menace definitely um, suffered from. I think one of the things about the original Star Wars trilogy was the actors had more voice they were they would argue with them they would yeah. they would change things and they would argue with them when yeah. phantom menace came out nobody felt like they could do that anymore no he was surrounded by yes men uh, yeah. i i have i have been able to talk to people who were around the lucas ranch at the time and they said it was frightening to watch some of the dailies not because of what was on screen but because everyone standing around was basically jerking off george lucas Telling, oh yeah, no, that's that's what you like. That's great. That's great. And everyone's cringing in the back in the background. Um, and then to top my list of anything uh, about movies that are fun to watch that are bad, uh -huh. anything made by U Bull. Um, U Bull was '90s and early 2000s. That's U W E B O L L. U W E B O L L. Okay. He's a German director okay. who is very famous for making terrible video game movies. Oh, all right. He made Blood Rain. He made Alone in the Dark. Um, let's see. Um, U-Bowl movies. Let me just get it. Because I didn't, I didn't like put the list in my list. He made... No, no, um, to officially say, there aren't too many good video game movies. <laughs> now, there are big actors in all these movies, too, which is okay. amazing. Um, but, I mean, he's still making these movies. Um, he made House of the Dead, um, Blood Rain, um, in the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale, which dungeon siege is a video game that nobody played, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and Jason Statham stars in that. Wow. Is Jason Statham and Ray Liotta, where Ray Liotta is a bad guy. Okay. Um, Ray Liotta's scenes are so much fun to watch. Um, Alone in the Dark as Christian Slater. 2005 okay. Christian Slater. Wow. All right. Uh, then <clears throat> there's this movie, Postal. Um if you haven't seen Postal, I highly recommend it. Um, it is that's the best way to describe it. Um, it's is the that? raunchiest, most politically incorrect movie you'll ever watch in your life. Oh wow! Okay. Um, ever. It, oh, it starts with a joke where the um, the passengers of nine eleven are blamed for the disaster. Ah, uh, all right. It, yeah, 
just to give you an idea of how bad it gets, that's the first joke in the movie. That's great. Um, and it's based on a video game. It's based on a video game. Yeah. Um, and But one of the things that's so good about it is you um, Bowl is in it, and he plays himself. Okay. And he talks about how um, he keeps on making these movies because he got all this Nazi money, and he can do whatever he wants, and he's just going to keep making them, even though they're awful. Okay. Yeah. It's it's just amazing. And if you look up U-Bowl, there's just movie after horrible movie after horrible movie after horrible movie. He didn't do Resident... No, that was... That was By the way, Name of the King has two sequels. <laughs> for a movie that... From a game that nobody... Okay. Yeah, I, they're they're German production, so they they've been they get some international and they get a lot of DVD watching. Sure. Um. Yeah. They. It's and and and, and if you go by the Roger Corman model, it's all going to depend on how much you spend versus what you expect to get as a return. And mm-hmm. if you're getting your expected returns, heck yeah, let's do a sequel. <laughs> oh, there are just so many of these. I can't even believe Alone in the Dark got a sequel because Alone in the Dark is one of those movies no one saw, but I'm sure it made money somewhere. I'm sure. Um, huh. Uh, no, the um, Resident Evil is... Oh, who made that? Um, oh, so uh, Wes Anderson. Not Wes Anderson. No, that would have been a whole different movie. Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil made by Wes Anderson. Um, <laughs> is, it, is it Paul Thomas Paul Anderson. Anderson? That's probably what it is. Um, let's, um, Resident Evil director. Yeah, I know. Typing, typing, typing. Um, Paul W.S. Anderson. Um okay. Paul W.S. Anderson actually made another movie on my list, Mortal Kombat. Okay. Oh, man. That was one I really wanted to to enjoy. <laughs> I did. I loved it. And I really liked the sequel. Okay. I just remember, so Gorgo comes out, right? And, and I'm all excited because I know which effects guys are doing this. And, I, and, and, and you've got Tom Woodruff in the, uh, in the Gorgo costume. But since it's all that animatronic uh, arms and the animatronic head on top of you know, a beanpole guy, you watch him walk around. He's so top heavy. He looks like Mr. Peanuts ready to fall over. <laughs> it's like, aren't you supposed to be this big fighter, but you're like, could barely stand upright. <laughs> so um, maybe it's just exaggerated because the torso is longer, but it just, it always looked like he's about ready to fall in his face. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so did I give you enough time to come up with three looking at it? Um, Ones that I know I've seen that are great, uh, that are just bad, like Battlefield Earth, I've only ever seen once. Um, I guess I do I talk about it as I list them off. So I got to see Battlefield Earth in the theater because I had a friend that would uh, throw out the movies. This is way back when movies were still on film. Uh, and they would actually have to assemble the movie the night before, the Thursday before it got released. And they'd usually run it through to make sure that uh, all the audio synced up and that all the reels were assembled, not just in the right order, but in the right orientation. And so we were sitting watching Battlefield Earth, excited that we could finally get to see this movie. And oh my gosh, it was bad. It was so horrible to watch. Um, we started calling out all the scenes that were directly lifted from something else, you know, because as, as they're doing the movie, it's like, oh, look, here's the sequence from Blade Runner. Oh, look, here's the sequence from, from Star Wars. And then throughout the whole movie, they're doing white transitions so that this is where you're, you've got a slow, uh, there's no better way to put it than a wipe. It's, it's like you're dragging a squeegee across the screen, changing from one uh, yeah. shot to another. And they all go up from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen. Oh, that's the worst. If kind I remember of right. And, and, and it's like every time, if I remember right, it's always going bottom to up. 
or maybe it goes top down. It doesn't matter. I've only seen it once when it came out the first day. Yeah, me out. too. I, I saw it when it came out, and I, I yeah, I don't remember a lot of it. I remember <laughs> the the shooting the leg off the cow scene. That's about yeah, it. There you go. Um, and they finally get to the very end, and they reverse the wipe because it's the end of the movie. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Are you kidding me? And I just remember literally in the theater because you know there's no one else is there who actually paid to be there, so it doesn't matter. Screaming at the screen about how. You got these guys that using alien technology learned how to fly Harrier jets. The gasoline wouldn't work anymore. It would have lost. It would have evaporated, <laughs> if not just lost all of its go. And the tires and all the insulation off the wires would have rotted by that time. <laughs> anyway, so Battlefield Earth, and and then and then it came out on video. And when it come when movies were coming out on video, I was always trying to watch for this because I didn't want to see. You know the cut versions of, of of video release. I wanted to see the theatrical version. So at the time, I was paying attention. Well, it's uh, the back of uh, Battlefield Earth literally said edited for video release. Typically, the nomenclature for that is you know we've taken scenes out for whatever reason. What they were trying to say was no, we put more in, <laughs> but you said it backwards. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Um. Let's see. I actually saw Jaws Revenge in the theater. Uh, oh, and then, yeah, that was horrible. One. Yeah, uh, I don't even remember it. That was one of those things where, yeah, it's pretty much out of my head. It's just. I think that's the movie that inspired Sharknado. Oh, it probably is. Um, but as I come down, you've got uh, Last Action Hero, which is another one that I totally love because that's a self-aware movie. And, uh, and I don't get why people didn't like it. And I, yeah. I mean, well, at least critics. I think fans mostly did. Well, I loved how self-aware it was. I can see critics not liking things because they're whatever it is they're looking for, or they're so jaded with so many things they have to watch. Um, it's just amazing to me that fans don't like it. That that is is as a movie that is basically making a parody of action movies. How could you not enjoy this as as the only movie whose main not main but one of their major promotional things that they did is they painted the logo down to the side of a rocket that got shot. In, in orbit, it was like a satellite being launched. It was last action hero down the side of this rocket, which of course nobody remembers, but it was really weird at the time to do it. Yeah, that was fun. I don't, I don't know. You know, I, you know, I, I, I think I know why I like that movie. Okay, Shane is Black is one of the guys who wrote the screenplay, and I love everything he did. Okay, and it makes sense that Shane Black would write a self-aware action movie because he did Lethal Weapon. Yeah, and he did sense. Predator. And he did. Have you seen the new Predator? I have not. Is it out yet? Oh, yeah. It's out. It came out last week. I, oh, no. I actually got to see it in their drive-in, which is kind of unique. Is it a uh, bad, Was it a bad movie that was fun to yeah. watch? Uh, pretty much, yeah. It was. And 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 now I saw it in the drive-in, which makes it a bit distracting um, because the, the uh, <laughs> it was out of focus and, and the audio was crap. So I kind of want to see it again uh, in a theater to make sure that, okay, no, I really didn't miss that. There was... Because there's, there's a point when something's happening and then all of a sudden it never comes back. It's like, did, did, did I blink? What, what, what happened? Uh, and, and there's a point when, cause uh, the person I was with is really into dogs and we were concerned that there's this pit bull that comes out and then the pit bull comes back again and like the truck barely misses it or something. And then you see the pit bull running towards the camera, like it's going to catch up to the truck and run off of the heroes. Right. Only it never comes back after that. It's just sort of gone. So well, what happened to the dog? <laughs> no, I was, I, 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 
I got the clue, and I think I talked to you a little bit about this on the phone when we were talking about doing this episode. Uh-huh. Um, I saw tr- the most recent trailer for Predator. Okay. Rebranded it as a comedy. <sighs> yeah, well, and sure. And was like, whenever that happens, I immediately go, oh, well, I don't think I'm going to see that until it comes out on video because they're trying to fool us. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, no. Is it funny? Sure, yeah, it is. The, the guys are... Are is as funny as the group is in the first Predator movie, which Shane Black is in. Um, but yeah, uh, it's not a comedy. Speaking it, of it's Predator, lighthearted. speaking yeah. of Predator, the the original Predator was directed by the same guy who directed Last Action Hero. Oh, okay, yeah, so John McTiernan. Yeah, it's a Die Hard too. Yeah, and Rollerball. <laughs> and Rollerball. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not even gonna call that a bad movie. That's fun to watch. That's just awful. The, wasn't that in my memory? That's the first movie they actually tried to shoot a sequence using night vision. Am I remembering the wrong the movie? Rollerball remake in 2002. Yeah, the remake. Yeah, the remake. Not the original with James Caan. The remake. I think. I, was, I think um, the night vision shot sequence in um, Silence of the Lambs would have been one of the first ones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. And that one is actually important to the story as opposed to Rollerball, which is just, why the hell are they doing this? <laughs> but that was neat, Silence of the Lambs. I really enjoyed, because uh, uh, Jodie Foster, at least is acting if she really isn't just completely blind in the darkness trying to feel for him from his, from his point of view of the night vision. That was one of those, that the Rollerball was one of those things when they were just trying to come up with movies to put Chris Klein in after American Pie. Oh, okay. I, I really think that's what that was. Um, Probably. I think Chris Klein's going to get his big comeback because he's going to be on The Flash. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's going to be a big bad. Good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and there's so many people listening to this that are like, who's Chris Klein? I'm going to look him up. <laughs> he, he, um, he played the lacrosse player in American Pie. Right. Yeah, he, yeah, Stifler's he friend. Stifler's friend, yeah. And, yeah. and um, wasn't... Was it American Pie or was it Election or which one was it where he? he I haven't seen Election and I know I need to. I haven't seen Election. He got the part because he was local and then became a major star because it just he was him. Oh, that's interesting. And like, um, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Which is a um, oh oh man, (laughs) once again brain failing. The actor who was uh, in the beach in Titanic. He was Jack in Titanic. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a younger Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Uh, with, I've seen with, it. I believe Johnny Depp is what he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, are both in it. Well, the 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 mom who was severely overweight in the movie. Um, they found a, a local woman who was willing to do the part, and and basically they severely lucked out that she was such a great actress, uh, or at least such a great you know sport. They greatly increased her part because of her abilities for the movie. She was going so to be she was this supposed very to have small, a small part, and then she had a very small a part. part. Yeah. yeah, she had a very big part in the, in the end. And I remember really liking that movie. And I've only seen it once, but I remember really liking that movie. And that's not a bad movie. That's just a good movie. So um, I think we're we're pretty much done for time. We're an hour and 25 minutes. Okay. Um, I apologize if there's some sound. Um, there's maintenance guys outside my apartment doing work. Okay, well, that's fair enough. Unfortunately, It'll, I don't have any exciting sounds. There's actually a music video being produced here, uh, just just not too far from me, but I can't hear it, so I'm sure you can't. 
<laughs> now they don't um, officially start rolling for another fifteen minutes, but still. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go through this list of preparation in the bonus episode. So if you're one of okay. our if you're one of our three dollar patrons, you can hear the bonus episode and Woo-hoo. check out the whole list. The whole I'm list. Go through the whole thing. I mean, basically our outline and how we made this episode. And um, if, if you want to know about the list that the mysterious list that Odin and I keep referencing. Uh, so um before we go odin yes. um is there anything you would like to promote and or and to tell people um how they find you online or how they can get in touch with you if they want to they want to say hi or, or or give you feedback on your work or let me know how horrible my my, my uh how dare i say a movie was bad yeah uh i'm actually pretty easy to find online since my actual name is odin abbott if you just google that i'm the one that pops up uh my youtube channel is called odin makes you can reach me with odin at odinmakes.com uh and my instagram is at odin abbott and uh i probably get more messages through instagram than anywhere else and your patreon uh my my patreon is odin makes and if you want to get a hold of Odin's props that he makes, that's the best way to do it. That's the best way to do it. Now, uh, if you want to just hold Odin's props that he makes, he often takes them to, oh, we're talking third person, he will often take them to uh, cons. And, and at that point, they're not exactly off limits. I allow people to pick them up and, and pose with them and take pictures. And what's exciting as far as something that's coming up, and this is super in the future, if anybody can think this far out, in March of next year, March of 19, I'm going to be appearing at, at a con called NanoCon 6 uh, or Nano, NanoCon Part 6, Mark 6. And at this point, I forgot to look up which college it is, which is really bad. Uh, but it's going to be taking place in uh, lower Washington State. Uh, and since it's right next to Portland, uh, we've talked and it sounds like, Brian, you are invited to come along and we can and actually I- do a podcast from there. I have talked to the organizer of the con on Saturday morning. Odin and I are going to record a podcast episode. Which is awesome. Maybe yeah, I should we, bring cameras. <laughs> it, it might be live. It might be private. We haven't worked that out yet. Um, the, the convention is more than willing to let us do a live show with an audience. So we're, I, I haven't really discussed all that with Odin yet. So we're going to work that out. We, this just happened, what, Thursday? Like, like Thursday, yeah. It's, gonna be, it's taking place at the Lower Columbia College science fiction club yeah we recorded on, we record this on saturdays and odin and i talked on thursday and worked this out and i'm now invited and it's going to be a great big cool thing um i won't have the rest of our hosts there it'll just be me and odin um yep. doing kind of like what we did today but we're going to be talking about the con and talking about um science fiction and it's going to be fun life. it's going to be fun yeah and yeah. for and finally i'll actually get to meet you in person i know right yeah, uh, I can't. I, I I really hope Mikey listens to this episode. And you know, Mikey, um, oh, if he's special. You, um, yeah, and if you um you have a problem with it, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up, Mikey. <laughs> um. So um, we're this entire episode was a movie described badly. It was. Yeah, we we really described a lot badly. So we're going to not do that segment. No, this we don't time. need to do that segment this time. Um, well, welcome to and, a podcast described badly. <laughs> and we've also talked for an hour and a half, okay. which is amazing. I love it when we do the longer ones. Um, they usually only happen in the one-on-ones because oh, when okay. you have more people, you have more reasons why people have to leave. Fair enough. Um, so um, 
thank you, Odin, for this great conversation about um, why we enjoy bad movies. I really, really enjoyed this. I knew I was gonna, but I didn't know I was gonna enjoy it as much as I did. Awesome. You're welcome. I've had a lot of fun, too. I've been looking forward to it, and I was not disappointed. Um, so um, that was our episode. I was Super Vegan Brian, and I was joined by Odin the All-Father Abbott. Hello, I am Odin the All-Father Abbott. You are welcome to send me all the cash in your wallet. <laughs> and this was Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Um, say goodbye, Odin. Goodbye, I, I like you. I'm not going to cut you off. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our new show, Wheel Wheel Wheel, 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 Wheel,